everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, Sarah Clark, who is going to help us take a deep dive into a new topic that we haven't covered on the show yet, fertility. When Sarah was 28 years old, she received a diagnosis of premature ovarian failure. She accepted the diagnosis and had both her children through in vitro fertilization. Years later, she realized the root cause of her infertility was actually a food sensitivity and later a gut infection. She is a certified life coach with accreditation from the International Coaches Federation and a health coach with training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She is the author of Fabulously Fertile, Supercharge Your Fertility Naturally. Her fertility coaching program, which includes functional lab testing, supports couples to make diet and lifestyle changes that dramatically improve the chances of a healthy pregnancy and baby. On her Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, she shares with that with functional medicine and natural fertility solutions, we can eventually reverse infertility. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation that we had with her all about the strong connection between diet and fertility, some of the main fertility issues that men and women struggle with, and some of the ways that we can safeguard and improve our fertility at any point in our lives to have a healthy pregnancy and how we can prevent pregnancy naturally when we're not ready for it yet, as well as other wellness practices that all women should know when it comes to their bodies and reproductive health. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know I've expressed to you um, that I'm just really excited to dive into this topic of fertility and um, you know how to improve your fertility naturally and helping women to have a better relationship and understanding with their body. So I'm, I'm really excited for you to be here and dive into all that. Great. Um, so let's just kick it off with you and kind of your personal journey. How did you first make the connection between your fertility issues and your gut health? Yeah, so it is, it is a bit of a, a story. So I, um, in my early 20s, I had regular periods. So my period was coming a couple times a year. I had a weird fungal rash on my chest. I had acne when in my teens, I didn't have any acne. And then I had uh, yeast infections. So at the time, went to my OBGYN and to my, to my physician actually at the time and was put on the birth control pill. Now that didn't do anything to... Um, uh, really get to the underlying cause of my periods, but it uh, regulated the period and the acne never really went away. Um, then I had this life plan of getting married at 25, which I did, and then having our starting having kids at 28. So just before 28, went off the pill and went to see my OBGYN and um, wanted to make sure just because at that point, my periods were still irregular when I came off the pill. And I went to see her. Then I was told I had premature ovarian failure which is the loss of the function of the ovaries before the age of 40 and told the only way I'd ever have children is by, it's by using donor eggs. So I remember her reaching up and grabbing the IVF brochure and telling me to go to the fertility clinic. And at that point I didn't connect any of those other health issues I had going on with the yeast infections, the why, you know, why did I have irregular periods? And I went, I didn't even get a second opinion. I went straight to the fertility clinic, um, spoke with, an RE, um, both, both both my husband and I, and we were put on a list for donor eggs. And uh, we were lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter and she's 18. So this is like back in the day when people are, you know, when you said donor eggs, people said, I don't even know what that is. Now it's, it's a little more common. You've got 
embryo adoption and embryo donation with with all of the fertility treatments going on, there's little embryos waiting there. So, um, it's, so it's a little more common than people um, having donor eggs, but still people may not even know what that is. And then uh, we had two embryos left over, um, wanted our kids close together. So after a year, went back to the fertility clinic. I was super stressed because I was like bound and determined to have them close together. And then um, those didn't work. Went on a separate list for another donor and then we were lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our son and he's 15. And then so really after uh, we had, after I had my daughter, I remember having like nine colds. Every cold went to a sinus infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every cold. I started getting chronic uh, yeast infections, chronic bladder infections, took antibiotics for all the bladder infections. I was peeing blood. Nothing was, I, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do at that point because I became allergic to all the antibiotics. Um, I had vertigo, toenail infections, seasonal allergies. Um, my immune system was just in the toilet, but I was still functioning. I was still in the corporate environment um, working. And then at that point, I wanted to bring in um, uh, life coaching. I wanted to bring coaching into the corporate environment. So I took a life coaching course. And that's when I had my own personal wake-up call about health and wellness, took a health coaching course. And that's when I discovered I had these food sensitivities so for me at the time, it was, um, I took out dairy and gluten and lo and behold, the, the sinus infection started to dissipate, the, the, bladder, the bladder infection started to improve, the yeast infections. And then I later found out that I was uh, sensitive to corn. A couple of years after that, then I, I took a, um, a stool test and it looks at the DNA of your stool. I discovered I had, a, um, I had H. pylori and streptococcus and I had um, fungal overgrowth, so eradicated that. And then really, but I didn't discover any of this until I was 40. Um, I was fully in menopause, so I was no longer cycling. Um, and then the reason why I started um, the podcast, Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, and really my, my business is to help other couples know that there's things you can do with the tools of functional medicine and, and really using a functional approach to help get to the bottom of, of why, like what is, you know, your body wants to survive, not procreate. Mm. Wow. I mean, you, it's, it's amazing how much your body's been through, how, how much you've mm. been through from a health perspective and mm -hmm. how you've really taken that and turned it into this positive tool for learning and impacting others. Mm -hmm. That's, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and I also love that you share that, you know, that it's not, like hopeless and, and to help people make this connection between um, their their habits and the way that they kind of treat their body and and the symptoms that they have or the things that they've been diagnosed with and you know letting people know that we all have a little bit more control over our bodies than we're led to believe. Absolutely. Yeah. Like like the quote where your body you'll your body will whisper to you and whisper to you. And when you ignore the mm. signals, it'll start shouting. <laughs> it will at shout. You yeah. Disease. You're like, wait a minute. And infertility, yep. it's like, wait a minute. We are meant to, you know, procreate. And if something's going on, let's get to the bottom of, of why. Yeah. So you mentioned for you that you are having irregular periods and, and for you that looked like a few periods a year. Can you, um, you know, for women listening or for anybody listening um, who is not sure what the difference is between a regular or an irregular period, can you uh, kind of lay that out? Yeah. Like as far as going into the, the, basically it should be 28 days and really your period should be, you know, bright red blood. If there's any difference, you know, consistency of sometimes there's clots or if it's, if it's, um, 
uh, yeah, like it should be, it should be a non-event. It shouldn't be painful. It should come and go. And really, if there's any, any symptoms, that's a, a clue to dig deeper, you know, what, what has been missed here. And for me, I got it a couple of times a year, but I actually thought that was good because I didn't have to deal with it. But before, <laughs> before that, it was like super heavy. I would like faint when it came. I like, I was losing so much blood. Um, so before it went irregular, it, 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 you know, the signs were there, but I didn't know. I just thought, you know, you were supposed to bleed, like bleed, bleed, bleed. I had no idea. Um, so that, that is, that is a sign. And really, you know, the first step, it seems to be in the conventional world is like, Oh, let's put you on the pill and it regulates it, but doesn't get to the root cause of like, why, you know, why were my periods off? And I, and I look back and I'm like, I think I've always had a sensitivity to gluten. I remember looking in the mirror at like 12 and seeing big circles under my eyes, which can be a sign of a food sensitivity. So, and I have non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So has it always been a, a, a food sensitivity? I grew up in a, a house that was in a forest and it got regularly infested with carpenter ants, which we sprayed all the time. I have the MTHFR gene. So my bill, my body's ability to methylate and detoxify has been impaired. So I you know, did that then um, do something with the, you know, that exposed the environmental toxins. Like I'll never really know, but for me and people that I work with, it impacts their, it impacts our fertility. Other people, it could be diabetes, heart disease, cancer, whatever it may be. But for me, it's fertility. So what are some of the main fertility issues that you see women struggle with? Yeah. And I think a lot of people get like caught up on the diagnosis and then they go down the rabbit hole of the diagnosis. Whereas in the Mm. functional approach, we look at the whole person. So we see from low AMH, so low anti-Mullerian hormone, basically um, low ovarian reserve, diminished ovarian reserve being, being told like a very low chance of conceiving with your own eggs, potentially donor eggs, Um, premature ovarian failure, unexplained infertility, which with the functional approach, there is a reason. Um, dig deeper. We see um, fibroids. We see um, endo, PCOS. Um, pr- primarily work a lot with unexplained and the um, low AMH, like dim- diminished ovarian reserve side side of things. Okay, got it. And obviously, you've alluded to the fact that um, for a lot of people, diet can really impact fertility. Um, so you know, within that and, and also outside of diet, what are some of the ways that women can safeguard and even improve their fertility? Yeah. So we work with couples and even though it's primarily women coming in with female factor infertility and the, and the man's like, Oh, my sperm is fine. There's always things we can do to optimize preconception health for both partners. So mm-hmm. we take it, we really look at the whole body, mental, um, mental, sorry, physical, um, spiritual and mental emotional s- stressors. So really dig, dig into all those. And then that, so the diet piece is the first thing that we look at. And I think a lot of people, most people that come to me would say they eat a clean diet, but when we dig into it, it's not necessarily the right diet for them. Um, so seemingly healthy foods could be causing inflammation in your body. And so we start people out, both couples, both partners by doing the elimination diet. And that's taking out the top allergens, take them out of your, di- your diet for 10 days systematically reintroducing them and really to see exactly how food impacts your body. So you're taking out gluten, dairy, corn, soy, peanuts and eggs and processed sugar, taking that out for 10 days. So it's not about starving and drinking green juice. It's eating real whole foods, but to then (laughs) 
it's only for 10 days, not for months and months. And then you bring it back in. You're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, when I, when I bring back in, when I bring back in corn, you know, maybe it flares up my asthma. When I bring back in dairy, I, I feel phlegmy. When I bring back in gluten, it upsets my digestion. So it's different for everyone. So you can kind of say, oh, wait, this thing that I thought that I've had for my whole life or been dealing with, I thought that was just what I had to deal with, headaches every Monday, you know, digestive issues. There's, there's, there's a correlation. So then people can really understand that. And then we do, um, we tweak it even further with a food sensitivity test and there's no perfect food sensitivity test, but we, in the U S we like in New York state, actually, um, we can't do the leap MRT we can do that in Connecticut, but, uh, we do it. So in New York state, we can, we can do, I wonder, yeah, we can't do the leap MRT, but we can do an IgG, which looks at, which looks at, um, 98 foods. Um, a leap MRT looks at 200 foods and food chemicals. And then we, one that we're, we've started using in the last uh, six months or so is the one from Vibrant Wellness, which is a Zoomer bundle. So it really, it has, it includes an IgG and an IgA. Um, and, and then, so that's delayed food responses. So the, the bread you have on Friday, it gives you symptoms on Monday and you never figure out the correlation. Um, and then the, and then it also digs into like, in like super minutia of um, there's a wheat, there's a wheat zoomer, a dairy zoomer and a soy zoomer. So you like really dig into the different proteins in those foods and seeing exactly how your body is reacting to it. And so we see a lot of people that have a high sensitivity to gluten. And so sometimes that can show up. You can see it when you do the elimination diet, when you do the food sensitivity test, but it doesn't always show up there. The, the zoomer, will potentially give a better um, snapshot if there's a sensitivity to gluten, but it's, there's over 75 proteins in wheat and the wheat zoomer is only checking, there's checking for about 26. And that's why a lot of people will do the uh, celiac test and it comes back that they are, um, there's false negatives. So, cause there's only, they're only testing the conventional celiac test, test for one protein in, in wheat. So a lot of false negatives. So there's the, the food piece, but then we, we do a stool test and there's the uh, anti-gliadin in there. And that was, and that can tell us if there's a high sensitivity to gluten. So part of my team, I work with a functional diagnostic uh, nutrition practitioner. She's the one that's running these tests and then developing a protocol. And then I'm helping people implement these changes. So that's the, the diet piece with the elimination diet and the, the tests, the food sensitivity test to really tweak it. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, obviously there are the the more common allergens and, and foods that tend to cause inflammation in the body, but that it's not a one size fits all. And for some people, you know, a food that could generally be healthy for most other people is actually going to trigger that inflammatory response and potentially issues like gut issues or, or fertility issues. And so really taking that one-on-one um, -on -one approach is so important because all of our bodies react and digest foods so differently. And, and I really love that that's something that you um, reiterated because, you know, so many people out there are just looking for like the quick fix, like tell me the best diet to be on or, t you know, give me the magic cure, but it's really just getting to know your own body. Yeah. Cause those diets have worked for someone, vegan, paleo, keto, whole 30, you know, the diet has worked for someone, but it may not work for you. So the really the elimination mm -hmm. diet is the gold standard, tweak it with the food sensitivity test. And then 
we do see people that, you know, the whole entire test is lit up um, potentially with their favorite food. So if they're, if they're things that they're eating on a regular basis and the body starts building an immune response to that, and then, um, so your, your favorite, and I've had that where I came back and I'm like, what, what am I going to eat? Are you crazy? <laughs> right. Oh, it was like, I was, and I was like fully into this eating, like really gluten and dairy free clean. And then, um, and then I found that out cause I had a gut infection and I was just like furious. But, um, so, but really as you address the underlying factors, then you can allow the body to heal. And, and like me who was on long-term hormonal birth control, like a, a high percentage of the women that I speak with are on the pill long-term. They were put on it, not for prevention, for, you know, irregular periods, heavy periods, PMS, acne, um, usually in their teens. And then they come off and now those issues are still there. There, And for them, it's infertility, not everyone, but to people that I'm speaking with, it's infertility. And then antibiotics, chronic stress, all these can then predispose you to some, to leaky gut. And, but then when you allow the body to heal, working looking at all aspects of the body, then, then you can eventually reintroduce some of those foods. If you're in a high red category, potentially some foods may not be able to come back in, but most of them, as you heal, you can bring them back in. Yeah, I think that's important for people to remember too, because yeah. like you said, sometimes it is your favorite food and you don't want to think about giving it up for the rest of your life. But yeah. if you know that, you know, eliminating it for a period of time can help your body heal, then there's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel. That's right. That's right. And yeah, I mean, to your point, I was put on birth control as a teenager as well um, because I uh, I wasn't having regular periods and, and same thing. And it, you know, then when I got into my early to mid twenties and decided I wanted to go off it and, and, you know, heal my body and, and have a more, uh, sort of healthier relationship with my body. I started to, to really look into this and, and am shocked at how many young women have that same experience that they're just put on the pill. Um, you know, to your point for skin issues or irregularity, cramping, anything like that. Um, when it, it might not be the best solution. No, it's a Band-Aid approach. And really, um, so I've had uh, Dr. Jolene Brighton, who's the author of Beyond the Pill, mm-hmm. um, on my podcast and talking about, so really, so post-birth control uh, pill syndrome, it can predispose you to food, sensi- food, to food sensitivities, to gut infections, as well as to um, not being able to absorb nutrients. So you can eat this Again, a lot of people come to me, they're eating organic and they're eating healthy. So this nutrient dense diet, but maybe your body's not able to absorb it. And that was the case for me. I'm like, I'm eating all this great food, but my body just not even absorbing it. So then as you, and we do a hair tissue mineral analysis test to look at that, to be able to see, okay, what's going on with your, with your, with with your mineral status and are you absorbing the foods? And that, those are just some um, quick tweaks we can do with food and some supplements to really dig into that. And yeah, my daughter, obviously I, you know, I talk about this stuff a lot with my with my family and my daughter's like, Oh, my period's a little bit off. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know, let's go to the doctor. I'm like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I know what they're going to say. And we go in there and, and she's dairy and gluten-free, but she's a teenager. So it can be difficult to keep her, you know, keep the diet, you know, the, uh, regulated. And so went in there, the first thing he said, let's put you on the pill. And then she looked over on, uh, over at me and went, okay, mom, I think I get it. So um, it is to dig into, well, why? Like that's, and, and a good podcast episode, a good podcast to listen to too is also um, Fertility Friday uh, with Lisa Henderson, Jack, and she talks about, um, she's 
a fertility awareness um, expert and or, or an educator and really talks about the fertility awareness method and really looking at your cervical mucus and your your basal body temperature and um, and look like getting to know your body and then being able to track your 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 fertile window and doing it that way. Yeah, can we we talk a little bit more about that and birth control in particular? Because what about women who are listening who who don't want to get pregnant right now? They want to prevent pregnancy, um, but want to ensure that they can get pregnant in the future and want to protect their fertility, um, and maybe are now having concerns about hormonal birth control, um, and and really starting to take a look at what their options are. Do you think that um, the fertility awareness method is is the way to go? Yeah, that's a that's a good option. You can also use um, Daisy D A Y S Y. There's a that's a tracker they that can help track your cycles if you know and to that helps track your your temperature and it really gives you there's an app with it. Um, Kindera is another good tracker. So to really start doing this and also um, Ava, um, which is my daughter's name, Ava. Um, the tracker. It's a watch. They kind of call it the the, the Fitbit for your for your for your cycle. Um, and really your, your menstrual cycle is the barometer of your health too. Um, da, uh, Lisa Hendrickson Jack uh, wrote the book, The Fifth Vital Sign, talking all about um, your, your, your cycle. So yeah, the fertility awareness method is definitely something to look at. I, I think if you're on the, like, it, I guess it's, it has to be right for you. And just to know that w- to me, when there's a side effect of, of something you're using that could be like death or stroke, I don't know. Why are we, why are we taking that? And, you know, there's books on that. The pill has been the greatest liberation for women, but um, I see people that are now struggling with infertility and, you know, the pill predisposes you to these things, but potentially they were put on because there was other issues that there was a bandaid approach and didn't get to the root cause. So um, yeah, I think it's to educate yourself and do what feels right for you. Yeah. Again, there's no one size fits all approach. No. Have you heard of um, this new app, uh, Natural Cycles? Uh, no, I haven't heard that one. Okay, so I've been um, seeing a lot about it lately, and I'm actually uh, just just got started on trying it myself because mm-hmm. um, it's actually the first FDA-approved um, algorithm for t- for birth control, um, the fertility awareness method for birth control, okay. and it's similar to the other apps you were mentioning um, that track your um, your cycles and your temperature and your cervical mucus and and all of that. But apparently, there's also like an algorithm involved that can predict um, ovulation. So I just think it's great that you know there's so much research going into it that it there's an FDA approved um, birth control method that is based around fertility awareness, and it's just you know a sign that we're headed in the right direction uh, of women having more choices and more control over their bodies. Yeah, we get doing these ovulation predictor kits. I'm just like, wait a minute, let's do our temperature and look at our cervical mucus. It could could take a couple cycles to figure it out, but like to teach people, teach women to understand their bodies. Right. And that's, yeah, that's an important call out too. I think with all of these apps that um, I think some of them even recommend like six months or more to like really get to know your cycle, um, especially if you do have irregularity, but yeah, long, long term, it's a great approach and a great strategy. So you mentioned something earlier um, that I wanted to dive into a little more as well, and that's the connection between um, mental and emotional health or, and, and stress and fertility. Um, how do you see that connection play out? 
Yeah, so that that is key. So we look at the stressors, we'll look at a gut infection and address that. We look at a food sensitivity, address that. We look at the environmental toxins. So look at your personal care, your cleaning chemicals, your plastics, your water, all all that exposure. And then mental, emotional side of that obviously is key because you can eat the most beautiful diet. You can, you know, address all these infections. But if you have not looked at past trauma, not dealt with the stress of a of a even even the relationship that you may be in right now or the stress of the fertility journey. Um, if you not addressed that um, and helped, you know, dealt dealt with it and really um, dig, digging into that that side of things, you you it it definitely it definitely impacts you. So we run a mind body fertility group, and um, I co facilitate it with a therapist and really digging into um, mindfulness and cognitive restructuring. So being able to reframe your thoughts. Um, looking at hypnotherapy. So all of, all of this piece is huge. I do think people in the fertility space potentially may get stuck only in the mental emotional side of things and not like if you're, so if you're, so that is a stressor, but then the other stressors could be missed, but the mental emotional stressors are huge. And that's why I have a six month couples coaching program to really help people deal with the stress of this and then being able to implement these, these changes, which impact your whole life. Yeah, I, I know women personally who, you know, as soon as they started to take steps to reduce their stress um, and improve their mental and emotional health, they got pregnant so much more easily and, and you know, after years of trying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Okay. Speaking of stress, this is something you and I were talking about earlier. Um, we're obviously in the midst of a bit of a stressful time right now. What What's going on the, in the world with the coronavirus? Um, and, you know, that's one conversation in itself, like managing the stress of all that. But um, I, I know that one thing we talked about was concern from women um, about how this virus in particular or viruses in general might impact fertility. Is that something you can speak to? Yeah. So with the American Society of Reproductive Technology and also the Canadian Society of Fertility and, and, um, and Andrology, as well as the European um, Society for uh, Gynecology and uh, probably pronounced that wrong, gynecological health, all of these have said during the coronavirus that it's not recommended to try to get pregnant or proceed with treatments. So treatments are being, uh, fertility clinic, clinics are being delayed and canceled all over the place. So it's, it's very, very heartbreaking for, for couples that are in the middle of going through this. And then also trying naturally um, is not recommended. Now they're saying there's no studies out right now that uh, women that are pregnant, that there's, there's, there's no, no risk to the, to the virus. But I've, I've also heard them separating moms and, and babies um, in the hospital because they don't want to have the potential uh, risk for the infant being infected. But then also it's important that the baby has is, is breastfed if possible. So that uh, this is all like new as we're recording this, this people were just trying to figure this out. But um, from a functional standpoint and really things you can do right now, like I'm, we're looking at helping people using this time to prepare your body for a baby, maybe not trying at this stage, Although there's lots of memes and things going on right now of this, you know, there's going to be a baby boom in nine months. Everyone's <laughs> right. stuck in their house. But people that are dealing with infertility, that's that's very, like it's causing, it's, it can be a big trigger and it's very painful because 
they, mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to expand their, their, their family. And now they're like, Oh my, you know, what am I going to do? Thing is with a functional approach, there's lots you can do to address those underlying stressors and prepare the best foundation for um, a healthy pregnancy, baby, and postpartum period. So there's things you can do, but it can be very overwhelming. There's a lot of fear. Um, so really being able to look at the mental, emotional stress you're dealing with, and even if it's just taking a couple of breaths during the day or um, turning off the news feed, you know, I'm not a huge news junkie, but this thing is like lighting up like crazy and on mm -hmm. my phone and I find myself looking at it and I'm like, they say it could be a year to a year and a half. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, so you start going down a rabbit hole of fear. So to rec to recognize that and being able to like, I'm, I'm a regular meditator. I haven't, I haven't meditated in like a week and a half, two weeks. Mm -hmm. I woke up, the, I woke up in the middle of the night last night. And I'm like, why do I feel, why am I waking up? What's I'm like, Oh, you, you know, you haven't, I haven't meditated because I've just been running around trying to figure all kinds of stuff out. So it's like to be able to um, pause and breathe. And if you can get out into nature, see if you can, if you can't, obviously, if you're, if you're on in a quarantine or self isolation, but there's things, if you're dealing, if you're on the fertility journey and dealing with infertility, there's things you can do right now to really prepare your body for a baby for conception a little bit later down the road when they give us the go ahead. That's so good to know because, yeah, again, it gives you something that you can focus on and not feeling like you're powerless and and totally out of control when clearly what's going on in the world is beyond a lot of our control. That's right. That's right. So what is one thing that you think all women should know when it comes to their bodies and their reproductive health? Um, I think, well, I think we talked about the cycle. So being able to understand your your, your cycle I think if you're on the fertility journey, like if you're struggling with infertility to know those different stressors. And I think the one that most people get wrong is diet because everyone says they're eating a clean diet, but they're not eating the diet that's, that's right for them. So I do recommend if you're struggling with infertility to have both partners and it's, it's not just you, it's, it takes two, two to have a baby, have, have both partners do the elimination diet. And I go through the exact steps on my, on my, podcast, uh, Get Pregnant Naturally to tell you how to do that. So I think that's the piece with, with diet. Um, and people are doing gluten light or dairy light. So they're like, oh, you know, I've kind of taken it out. But if you have a sensitivity to it, you've got to take it out 100%. So that's why, you know, you can do anything for 10 days, take it out, see how it impacts your body, and then dig into it further. Also in that, like reducing, uh, like going organic, if you can, um, with all the pesticides and the herbicides being sprayed on our food, you know, we're in the middle of a huge food experiment and it's, it's, um, it's impacting our infertility as well as cancer and all, all sorts of other diseases is linked, are linked back to, um, glyphosate, what's being sprayed on our food. So that diet piece, like we eat at least three times a day and probably more. So what we, we place on our fork really does matter. Yeah, absolutely. So one last thing that I love to ask everybody who comes on the show is um, besides, you know, your area of expertise and, and all the things that we've chatted about today, diet related, um, and kind of taking care of your body. What is one wellness habit or daily practice that you swear by and can't live without? Well, I would have said meditation, but, um, right. Yeah. That was a good one too. <laughs> so that one fell apart. Um, for me, actually, I, I eat my three meals and don't even mess with them. Like I have to have my meal. I, I 
never skip breakfast because then I would just be not a happy person. So I make sure like I start with a smoothie every day. Uh, so for me, it's like eating. Uh, I love food. Even though I don't do dairy, gluten, or corn, I am a foodie. I, I, I love food. And eating for me is, is key because if I haven't eaten, then I'm not going to be a happy person. <laughs> yeah, I totally feel you on that one. <laughs> Um, okay, and so you mentioned your your podcast, um, Getting Pregnant Naturally. Um, where else can people find you if they want to learn more about you and the work that you do and, and um, follow along? Yeah, so they can find Get Pregnant Naturally on iTunes or uh, Spotify. And then also I have a fertility diet freebie if they go to um, fertility diet freebie, F-R-E-E-B-I-E.com. And it's a three-day fertility diet challenge. So you can um, start eating some um, uh, fertility foods. So free of the top allergens with you and your partner. So it's a little three day recipe guide. So you can try that out at fertility diet freebie. Awesome. We will be sure to link all of that in the show notes below. So everybody who's listening, make sure you go and follow, um, Sarah, listen to her podcast and, and everything that she's up to. Um, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the show today and sharing this, this important information. I think it's, you know, so valuable for, for so many people to have access to this, this kind of information that might not be shared with them by their doctors and, um, you know, might not be as read of, readily available. So thank you for the work that you do. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And to everybody who's listening, um, as always, make sure you subscribe to the Well Then podcast so you can be the first to hear the latest episodes. Share this with any friends that you think might uh, benefit from hearing this information. And as always, have a happy, healthy day. Until next time. Mm -hmm.